Thank you for your word, Lord. Make it real and alive to us. Quicken it and pour it into us in Jesus' name. Thank you for the anointing that makes it easy to listen to, easy to understand, and easy for me to deliver. Lord, these, uh, t- these, t- these uh, tests that David passed, Father, as you showed me them, you said, read that scripture and I'll speak to you. I didn't exactly know fully what you meant by that, but as I read, you brought out 12 items to me. As I read, you spoke, bang, 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 bang. And Lord, as I wrote them down and as I meditated upon them, I realized that every single one of these tests I faced myself. And every one, Lord, uh, some I've passed with flying colors and some I'm still in the process of passing. And like I think everybody can say the same thing. But Father, we're all going to face these, especially those called to the ministry, but every believer is going to face these at some time in their life. And Lord, this is like a cheat sheet. Lord, I'm, Lord you're giving us answers to th- things that we're going to face in life. So that when we go out and we do the test, we're in the test and the trial. When we go out like a student, the, 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 the teacher gives them information and cho- tells them a little bit what's going to be on the exam so that when the exam comes, they don't fail it. Lord, you're giving us answers for life because the test is coming called the test and the trial. The things are gonna, we're going to face, they're not always going to feel good in life. But if we understand the answers, if we know what to do and we apply the answers, we will pass the exam. We will overcome the test and trial with joy. So, Father, I thank you in Jesus' name that as we look to your word now, as we look to these 12 tests that David passed, and that every one of us need to pass it. This wouldn't just be a sermon that goes in one ear and out the other, but they would take notes, that they would be interested, they would show you they're interested enough to write down these 12 things. And that, Father, they would meditate upon them, for they won't be able to memorize them in one day. That's why they write it down, so they can meditate on them later. And that when these tests show up, that they will have, they will have the weaponry to pass them. And that, Lord, we will, we will be found as test pastors, not as test failures. And we give you praise, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. I'm not going to read you, but the first one starts in 1 Samuel 16. We already read that. We started this sermon back on December the 4th. And we did another one on December the 11th. And and I'm doing the last and final one today. And uh, the first one we talked about was, uh, just as a review very quickly, is passing the test of rejection. And let me tell you, everybody's going to face it. In fact, I'm sure everybody in this room, other than maybe Kylie, maybe, maybe Mana, I'm sure she's even faced it, but because uh, kids can be mean to each other, they take great glee in rejecting each other. Uh, but uh, maybe Kylie hasn't, but she will. Uh, but everybody else, if, if, you're, if you're more, if you're, if you're out of diapers, let's put it that way. If you're out of diapers, you've already fa- you faced this. Have you passed it though? You might have faced it, but have you passed it? The test of rejection. Everybody was invited to the great gathering of the prophet except David. He was sent out to do a job, an menial job at that, out on the backside of the desert, wasn't even included, and yet he's the the guest of honor and didn't know it. (laughs) He's He's the only reason for the party. And the one reason wasn't there because his daddy didn't pick it up. Even Samuel didn't exactly know who of the sons. And Samuel thought it was the biggest and the brightest called Eliab, but it wasn't because God looks at the heart. He looks, it doesn't look at who's richest, who's got the most education. He doesn't look at any of that. He looks at who's got the right heart. He looks at the heart. And so I want you to know, David had to pass that test of rejection. God knew he'd pass it. He had to pass that test and, and keep his heart right because that anointing would not have come on him 
by the prophet if he was filled with bitterness and anger, if he had kicked the sheep, thrown them off the cliff in anger while they're having the party. Why am I not? He knows there's a party. The whole town knew there was a party. And he knows he's the only loser that's not there. Right? I mean, he had the big L on his forehead. And he knew it. But he, he obviously, he, we know, it doesn't say, but we know he had to have passed the right art test because the anointing would not have come on him if he, if, if he was in sin, if he was in anger and unforgiveness. So we got to pass that. Not everybody's going to be fascinated by you. Not everybody's going to even like you. Not everybody is going to think that you're as good as you think you are, which is a shocker to me. I say to my family, don't you, don't you see what you have before you? my extended family. A prophet is not yet without honor except in his own, his own family. It's amazing. They don't see that anointing on me at all. It still shocks me. I've prayed for some of them. They got healed. They still don't recognize the anointing because when you're familiar with somebody, you can't see past the familiarity with them. But I'm telling you, people will reject you. Jesus suffered rejection. They didn't like his sermon and they all left to the point that he said, you're going to leave too. Where are we going to go? You have the words of life. But he knew what rejection felt. And then the ultimate was his own boy, one of his closest companions, stealing from him and then sells him out and does it with a kiss. (laughs) That's vile. That's vile. Jesus knew what it felt like to be rejected and he passed the test. You got to guard your heart and you got to forgive by faith and not hold aught. And do good to those that despitefully use you. Praise God. If, you, if, it's within your, if it's within your means, do good to them. Praise God. Pass the test of rejection. Number two, put it on the screen, please. Passing the test of patience and menial work. He was anointed king. It wasn't seasoned yet. Remember the, 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 the mantle came on Elijah, Elisha from Elijah at the very beginning when he was plowing oxen, but it took him seven to eight years before the actual mantle, the anointing came on him to actually minister. So just because God separates you and says, I got a job for you to do, doesn't mean that you all of a sudden, poof, you're, you're in the limelight. He tells you so that you'll, you'll, it will hold you as an anchor through the season of serving that's coming. Because usually, don't get too excited when the prophet throws something on you. I try to tell the, the ministers that are under me, don't get too excited when you're invited to the flag meeting. When, when God's put something on you to do something. Or if you're not a flag, but you're a traveling minister or whatever. So we've got ministers that aren't necessarily doing works under us, but they're still legitimate ministers and on their own right. And they're ordained under us. Don't get too excited. Because when the thing came on Elisha, all it meant was seven years of hard work. Of cooking and cleaning and, and doing his waste pot. And the Bible says he poured water on the hands of Elijah. That means for seven to eight years, he didn't do anything glamorous, nothing showy. And he didn't operate in his anointing. He didn't say, but don't you know I'm anointed? He didn't say that. He said, how can I serve you? So before people get too excited about the anointing call coming on them, just be aware, hold yourself, because all you've got to look forward to is hard work and patience and meniality. Because God has to see your motive and he has to see your integrity and he has to look at your character so that he can say, you now qualify for the actual assignment. But I'm letting you know the assignment is on you so that as you're going through the menial stage, you've got an anchor to hold on to. I can get through this because God's already called me to something greater. Are you with me? That doesn't apply to ministers. That applies to you, all of you. When you're at your job, hold on. Be faithful. 
because God's got something greater, whether at that company or whether at a different company, he will promote you into something better. Praise God. So we see here that he passed the test of patience and meaning work because as soon as he was anointed, where did he go? Right back to the fields, right back to the sheep, right back to the stuff that he didn't necessarily maybe want to do because he, he's now, he thinks I'm going to be trained. But no, he goes right back to it and he has to be patient and not get out of patience. Menial work is not your enemy. Are you listening to me? Menial work is not your enemy. If you're humble, if you're proud, it is. But if you're filled with humility and you know that you're in the right place at the right time, you'll do anything that God asks you to do. And God can use your boss, even though he's secular. And whatever your boss asks you to do, you do. Because remember, you don't work unto men, you work as unto the Lord, but God knows that you answer to a man. So why don't you just act like the man is the Lord? I'm going to do it for you, but I'm really doing it for him. But he's got, he's got you telling me, but I'm doing it for you, but really for him. So I'm going to treat you like I would him. That means showing up on time. That means not stealing paper clips from work. <laughs> do you understand? Yeah, praise God. And if you do that for a lesser, how much more should you do that for the greater? If you show up on work and you don't steal from your boss, how much more do you think you should show up on time for the house of God and not steal his tithe? Do you understand? You're practicing every day, Monday to Friday at your job so that you can take that skill and bring it to the house of God. Are you with me? I'm giving you a lot more nuggets than than you're saying amen for. How you treat your secular boss who is lesser be faithful in unrighteous mammon, the lesser things. Then you get the true riches. Then you get the anointing. You get the spiritual things. And that's what happens in the house of God. So practice, practice being patient in menial work and being honorable. Amen. Number three is he passed the test of love and loyalty. He gets over there. Number three, put up number three. He, he gets over there to Saul, hears about him. Remember, God is a way to promote you. I don't know how Saul found out, but somebody around Saul had heard about David. You don't have to promote yourself. God will promote you. Somebody was anointed to help David and tell the king about him. All he had to do was be faithful with the sheep. I don't have to do anything. I just have to be faithful. God wants to promote. God wants to get my name out. It's his job to do it. And he's got many resources to do it through. I don't have to try to fight up the corporate ladder like the secular people do. I don't have to be a rug either. If God tells me to do something, I'll do it. But I'm not trying to edge my way up. I'm just happy being with the sheep. Amen. But somebody heard about him. Somebody told the king. Now he comes over to the king. The king is he's playing the instrument and the evil spirit leaves. And the Bible says that that, that he loved. People think it's talking about Saul, but it's not. If you read in their Hebrew that says David loved Saul. Didn't say Saul necessarily loved David, although I'm sure he did. He appreciated him. But Saul, David loved Saul. Now he already knows he's replacing him. So I said to you, most people, if they know I'm taking over, but you don't know I'm taking over. But I've already been anointed. That's why this evil spirit's on you because the anointing's on me. It ain't on you. But you don't know that. And now I'm here. I'm going to hedge my bets and be as cagey as I can because one of these days you're not going to like me. You know what I'm saying? But what did he do? Did he do that? No, he gave his whole heart to Saul. He loved him and he was loyal to him because the Bible says he was an armor bearer and you couldn't be an armor bearer without extreme honor and bravery because you were basically laying your life down for that person. And if somebody was going to die in battle, it was going to be you, not him. And yet David, no, he's anointed and yet he's laying his life down for the one that's not anointed. Are you with me? I've had to do that with people that I knew that, you know, in the previous season, I knew that it wasn't going to work out. 
Dr. Dufresne had prophesied it wasn't going to work out. I knew it wasn't going to work out. I knew things would go bad, but I had to give my whole heart to it. Now, if you can do it with somebody who don't like you, it should be easy to do it with somebody that does like you. Now I've got Pastor Nancy. She loves me. She's not a Saul. It's easy for me to pass the test of love and loyalty with her. It's not, it hasn't always been easy. But you've got to pass it with people that aren't maybe worthy of it. Because then with the, God will always send you people that are worthy of it. You've passed it with people that are not worthy of it. And God has sent you now into this place where we, there, is a, there is a worthiness here. I'm serious. Are you listening to me? It's easy to pass it with everyone. Everybody loves you. But what about when not everybody loves you? Can you still be loyal? Can you still love despite? Can you still lay down your life? These are tests. Not everyone passes these tests. If you're not going on in life, it might be because some of these you're not passing. Number four is a test of obedience. <laughs> he, uh, he's, he's, he's fighting there. Then this is, before, this is before the battle. This is before Goliath even shows up. But he's, uh, he, he's there. He's the king's armor bearer. You don't leave when the battle. So basically, if they had known that Goliath was coming, Saul wouldn't have let David leave because he's the armor bearer. He has to fight with him in war. But just before, he's still in a staff member. He's very high up. He is an armor bearer. He's the, he's the protector of the king. And yet, and this is his, do you understand what I'm saying? His career is moving forward. And then Papa calls, I need you back with the sheep. What are you talking about? This is backwards. I don't go backwards, I go forwards. Sounds like a cat poster. Sounds like an inspirational poem. Let's not go backwards, let's move ever forward. His mind says this is backwards, but he had to pass the test of obedience because when daddy, which represented God to him, if God doesn't say anything different, your parents, your spiritual parent or your natural parent, you need to honor them. And so when daddy says, I need you, I know your career is on the up and up, but I need you here. What did he do? No. No, he obeyed. He went what it's seemingly backwards. And sometimes God asks you to do things that are seemingly backwards. Because what? You think you're going backwards, but he's pulling you back in that slingshot. And it might seem like you're going the opposite direction. But what you don't know is pressure is being built for him to thrust you forwards. And thrusting is about to come in David's life. But if he hadn't passed this test of obedience, I don't know if he would have had the same outcome with Goliath. Because God was looking for his heart. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Are you listening to me? Yes. If your pastor or the Holy Ghost, because I probably wouldn't ask you, or maybe Lorraine. Stand up, Lorraine. Just come on, stand up. Just, just, just for a second. Say hi to everybody. She turns 49 years old today. Well, I'm not sure if it's 49. But anyway, this is her birthday today, and we love you. And a shout out to my Julian brother. It's his birthday today too. Praise God. And so Lorraine might ask you on my behalf, or I might ask you, but even better, the Holy Ghost might ask you before Lorraine even gets to you. And he might say, would, would, you, would you obey 1 Corinthians 12 that says helps? Will you serve somewhere? Will you bring your effort and your energy even though it's inconvenient because you have to come a little early or stay a little bit late or come on a different day of the week. But will you obey me? Because I'm looking to see it's more than serving in the church. It's what's inside. I'm looking to see if you'll pass the test. It's not just about vacuuming or doing sound or children. It's about the test. He wants to know, will you obey? 
You don't have to do it forever, but for a season, he might require some things of you. Hallelujah. Will you obey? Praise God. This year, a number of times, God told us to give a large amount of money away. And I says, no, 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 not away to. I said, Father, you missed the whole point. This is harvest time. And he says, yes, but you must sow to get harvest. We don't like that part, do we? But he told me a number of times this year, sow a large seed. And so it, I, I don't always feel like that because there's needs. But see, he counts that as seed. And then he knows how to bless us back. But see, obedience and finances will cause you to break out. You stay stingy. You'll stay the same all 20 years. You'll be the same as you are now. You get obedient in your serving, obedient in your giving, obedient in your forgiving, obedient in your praying, obedient in your... Go tell that person I love them. Well, I'm busy. I don't know what to say. I'm embarrassed. Why don't you just obey? And he'll give you the words. Because you don't know what that, what that person needs and you don't know if it could save their life. Forget about whether they come to the church or not. It could save their life. So passing the test of obedience, even though it seems sometimes going the opposite way, is going to set you in good standing. Now, can you look there, please, now in 1 Samuel chapter 17, <clears throat> please, if you would, and uh, have a look with me. And verse 22, and David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper because his dad sends him back. And ran to the army and came and saluted his brethren as he talked with them. Behold, there came out the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spoke according to the same words which, which we were in the, earlier in the chapter. And David heard them, and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel has he come up. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich him with great riches, and will give him his daughter, and make his father's house free of tax in Israel. So money, no tax, and a pretty girl. Pretty good. I'm starting to think about it. I've already got the pretty girl. I just need the no taxes. The no taxes would be a real blessing to me. I'll kill any Goliath to stop paying to no taxes. Just, just put him in front of me, please. And David spoke to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that kills the Philistine and takes away this reproach of Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? See, that's the spirit of faith. And the people, they didn't have the spirit of faith, they fled. He had the spirit of faith. And the people answered him after the manner saying, so shall be done to the man that kills him. Now watch verse 28. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. There's always going to be people that don't like you when you're following the plan of God. And said, why have you come down hither? And with whom have you left those few sheep? See, he's demeaning him. Yeah. You don't even have a lot of sheep. You just got a few sheep. In the wilderness, I know your pride. Actually, Eliab is the one filled with pride, and he's transferring it onto David. I know your pride and the naughtiness of your heart, for you've come down that you might see the battle. And David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned toward him another and spoke to the same manner. And people answered him again after the same manner. When the words were, were heard, which David spoke, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. Test number five, please, is passing the test of false accusation. And I'm telling you, this is a hard one. When you know you're right, and they lie about you, and they say that you did things that you know you didn't do, and they say that you meant something that you know you didn't mean, and that you clearly tell them that's not what I mean, and then they turn it on you? Life is going to be filled with Eliabs. 
accusing you and telling you stuff and judging you falsely and putting their problems on you. You're full of pride when it's really them. You've got an naughty heart when it's really them. You've just come here for a show when it's really them. Listen, you can't let the barking dogs. Catherine Kuhlman, you know how many people must have been against her. And she said once to Richard Roberts, who told me this personally, she was, uh, she said, he said, you know, people were saying, what, how do you handle all the tons of criticism? And she says, I'm on a train. And all they are is barking dogs as I speed by. I'm on a train. I'm on the planet of God. And you can bark. Yip, yip. You ever been on a fast train and you hear a darking bark? It's like, yip, 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 yip. You, you just hear it for a moment. It's not like they're standing in front of you barking at you. You're moving. They're not. They're gone. I'm on a train and they're just barking dogs as I speed by. That's how you handle false accusation. Are you on a train? Are you moving forward in God? Don't get bunged up with what other people, hotheads, have to say about you. And when you're a a meticulous person like me and a melancholy person like me and an anal person like me and I, I want to be right and, I, and I'm not right in everything and I'm far from it. Thanks, Reverend Taylor, for saying amen. But, uh, but, but, but I, I, I just, I'm very particular. I'm very particular. So I try my best and then when people accuse me and I know, I know because it's not like other people that you didn't keep track. I keep track. Of what I say by text, what I say by email, what I say by voicemail, when problems happen, I know. I keep track of what people tell me. I write notes so I can respond according to what they have said. So, and then when they turn on me and then they say, you this and you that, and I know it's an absolute lie. Man, that can just boil your blood. But I'm on a speeding train and they're just barking while I go by. Hallelujah. Learn to pass the test. Notice David wasn't, um, he wasn't a robot. He didn't just go, oh, thanks, Eliab. He did respond a little bit like, what's your problem? It's okay to, Jesus said, what, you going to leave too? Jesus felt something and he said something. He pushed back a little bit, but he didn't let it get in him. David didn't let it get in him. He said, what is there, what have I done? But he didn't let it get in him. A lot of people let the false accusation get in them. Are you with me? It's very, very important. Hallelujah. Very important. Number six, passing the test of discouragement. Now, this is a huge one. Okay. Passing the test of discouragement. Why? Saul told him, you can't do it. (laughs) How many people have told us, you can't do it. You're too small. You're too frail. You don't have enough money. You don't have enough giftings. So read with me. Uh, the, and it says, uh, uh, he sent from verse 32. And David said to Saul, let no man's have heart fail him because of him. My servant will go and fight with his Philistine. I love the spirit of faith, man. And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him. For you are but a youth and he's been a man of war from his youth. Discouragement. You can't do it. You're not qualified enough. You don't have enough education. You don't have enough experience. You're the wrong skin color. You're from the wrong side of the tracks. You're not rich enough. You haven't been to the right university. 
Don't, 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 don't buy into all that nonsense. If God's told you, if he's told you, you got to know that God's told you and he's with you. And David said unto the Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. Now watch, listen to me. Are you listening to your pastor this morning? Saturday morning, albeit, are you listening? When discouragement comes, there's an answer. And it's not just, no, I can do it. That's not what he said. He did say that, but that's not all he said. Listen, I'm giving you a spiritual law that God has taught me. When discouragement comes, start recalling the past. Recall the past. Recall the past. Recall what God has done for you. You can't do it. Well, let me tell you what God has done with me, through me, and for me back on yonder. And you start talking about it. Now let's see if I can do this or not do this. Because if he could do it then, he can do it now. This is huge. When discouragement comes, don't just answer it and go, no, I can do it. Start talking about what God has done for you, through you, and with you in the past. No, God did this for me. No, God asked me to do this, and he used me, and it worked. No, God did this for me. No, look at that miracle that happened over there. Are you listening to me? If you'll start rehashing the past in a positive way, not a negative way, all the praise reports and the glorious stories and just meditate on them and let your mouth talk about them, it'll cause that, that discouragement to just be like a vapor and it's gone. If you don't, that thing will be, that, that little vapor will grow into a thick, dark cloud and it will settle over you. And their opinion of you will determine your future. My, my family, especially my father, I love him and he loves me, but he's not a faith man. He's not even saved yet, yet. But, but he said to me when we started the church, if you remember, 2008 was the worst recession that Canada had, had in many years. That's not the right time to start a church, to start yelling at people and ask them to pay you for it. Now, he doesn't understand, but that's what he understands it to be. So you're telling me that you ask them to show up and they have to sing? Mm-hmm. And then you yell at them and they pay you for it. And he said, and they don't get anything? They don't get any kind of a something in their hand when they leave? They're not buying a product? No, Dad. It's called praise and worship, tithes and offerings, and preaching the Bible. Well, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my entire living life. He said, you're gonna, definitely going to fail. Nobody's going to do that. And you're trying to do it in a recession. See, that's called discouragement. But God said, plant the church. The candlestick, the anointing is with you. And I will bring the people and I'll touch their hearts to give and all will be well. And so what I did is I started to him, but not really to him because he wouldn't have accepted it. But to my wife and to myself, I started rehearsing what God had done. Well, you know, I remember what he did on that mission field. I remember what he did over there when I was associate pastor. And I remember the miracle he did over there. And if he can do it there, he can certainly do it now if he's the one that told me to start this That's church. Nice. You see, he starts recalling. It's so important. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And thy servant slew, verse 36, the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And Saul, you see, your naysayers will have nothing more to say. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. I'm not going to be with you because I don't have the spirit of faith. But go, the Lord be with you. You see, when you recall what God's done, even your greatest discouragers won't have a word to say. 
Are you with me? Amen. So pass the test of discouragement. The, next, the seventh test is the test of imitation. You got to pass this. Everybody, ministers, everybody, you got to pass this. And Saul armed David with his armor, verse 38, and he put a helmet of brass upon his head. Also, he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go where he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off. Don't try to look like somebody else who you think is better, more qualified, higher up in rank than you. Are you listening to me? Be, now this is a, I know this doesn't sound like it, but this is a test. Be yourself. Be, be, be satisfied with what God made you. In our society, especially with women, I think maybe men too, but women more, there's this obsession about you have to look like the certain model. You have to try to, everything has to be so like pulled and scratched and and we got wires hanging from your head of the ceiling and everything is being pulled and you know what I'm saying? I'm nothing, nothing wrong with that. If you want to do that, I guess that's fine. And there's nothing wrong with making yourself the best that you can be, but make sure your motive is not because you're trying to imitate the one you saw in the commercial because you don't feel like you're something unless you look like them. Are you listening to me? That'll just drive you. It'll drive you. It will, it will, it will torment you. Because you're not supposed to look like them. God didn't make you to look like them. Now, be the best you can be. If it's sagging and you want to pull it up, pull it up. I can't, I can't play it for you. Maybe I can play it for you. I really, really, really like this. Peter, I'm sending you something. It's only a couple seconds long, but just when, when you can, try to put it on the screen. Um, because I was, uh, <laughs> I was, uh, I'd like you to blow it up a little bit so that you don't see everything else on the bottom. Just try to blow up the TV screen if, if you can. Uh, we'll let him work on that. But I was, uh, I was somewhere and I saw a little animation on the screen. And, and I know you don't believe me. I know you think I'm crazy. And, and that's okay. I don't really care because you can't discourage me. <laughs> but I heard the Holy Ghost. And I'm not kidding you. He will use the strangest things at the strangest times. And I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, that is so weird. And I heard him say, that's you. <laughs> I swear to God, I'm not joking. I heard him say, that's you. And I said, I didn't know what he meant at first. And, I, and the guy's like making my burrito. And, and, I'm, and I'm looking at this thing and I said, I said, that's me. And I realized what he meant because I've made some commitments to him. And you'll, maybe you'll understand if he can do it. And, and, and when he said that, because he's been talking to me about, you know, you don't have to be like somebody else, but be the best that you can. Yes. Look the best you can. Yes. Be the healthiest you can. You don't have to try to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but just do the best that you can. You don't have to look like what's the, what's the girl, you know, what's a famous model, Jenny, or something for girls. I don't know. Giselle, whoever that is. But uh, just, just, just be the best that you can. 
but, uh, but I, when I was looking at that thing, I heard the Lord say, that's you. And then I really, it was really an encouragement to me. I mean, I was laughing. I was laughing. And the guy at the burrito, he's making the burrito, was looking at me like, and I'm like, <laughs> and he's like, what? He, he didn't say anything. He thought I was nuts. It's a brand new burrito place that just opened in Aaron. Aaron has nothing. Okay. We have farms. So this is like a very fascination. All the farmers come. Whoa, look at that burrito. You seen that burrito over there? I mean, this is a really novelty in Aaron to see a burrito joint. So the guy doesn't really know what to expect because all these weird people come in. And here I am laughing in his face. He doesn't know what's going on. But I see this thing. And when the Lord said, that's you, he was encouraging me. Encouraging me to be the best that I can be. <laughs> Uh, did you get that ready, Peter? You just let me know. Give me the signal. Now, we, don't, now don't get all in the flesh now. We're, we're still in the, we're still, okay. Be yourself. Be the best you can be, but don't try to be somebody else. Preachers, don't try to sound like Keith Moore and grow the beard. I don't try to be like Pastor Nancy. It just don't work. Nobody can be her but her. Nobody can be me but me. Nobody can be you and your job, but you don't try to be the best employee, but don't try to be like everybody else there. The way you look, the way you work, the way you pray, the way you evangelize, just be so comfortable in your own skin. I love who I am. I love that God made me unique. God made me me. I'm going to prove me. Like my wife once said, she said, Craig, you're a piece of steak. I said, I'm a hot piece of meat. She said, that's not really what I'm talking about. I said, but it could be, it could be what you're talking about because you said you're a steak. That's a hot piece of meat, red meat. Hallelujah. Some of you need to lighten up. It's December 31st. Just relax a little bit. Jesus had a sense of humor. Some of you need to turn your frown upside down. And she said, that's not really what I mean. She said, Craig, she said, you take a steak and it's good, but if you marinate it, it becomes the best that it can be. I didn't ask you to change who you are. I asked you to put some seasoning so that you are the best that you can be. No, seriously, she really helped me with that statement because seasoning is the fruits of the spirit. And seasoning is, is just taking care of yourself, your mind, your body. Your, the way you talk, the way you react, the how controlling you are. Like some people that wives have told me, pastor, he won't let me touch anything in the car. If I touch the knob, if I touch the volume, leave that alone, you're going to break it. Well, maybe that's not being the best that you can be. Maybe we need some seasoning to bring out the flavor of the best of you. And I know some people are going to walk out. I'm the same way. Jennifer, don't touch that. Jennifer, don't do that. Just season yourself and don't imitate. Just be the best that you can be. Amen. The anointing is starting to wane. We need to keep going. And verse 40, and he took his staff in his hand and chose them five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had even in a script. That's a little bag. And a sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. This is a very important test. Now, the movie King David that I had watched years and years ago with Richard Gere didn't understand the truth to this. They think he's going to miss four times. 
And in that movie, he throws his own, misses, gets another one, misses, gets... That's not why he picked five stones was because he was going to miss four times. It's because the Bible says that Goliath had four ugly brothers, just as ugly and as big as him. And in the ancient culture, you killed the brother, it's a blood feud. And the brothers, the blood family come out to defend the honor or the name of their brother that has been killed. So David expected, I'm going to kill him and the four other ones are going to show up to defend their honor, the family honor. And I'm going to take five stones because I'm going to whip every one of them. That's why he did it, not because he thought he was going to miss. The spirit of faith doesn't expect failure. The spirit of faith expects precision and skill and aid and anointing. But the spirit of faith says, I won't just take care of the assignment, but if anybody else tries to mess with the assignment, I'll take care of them too. This is the test of expectation. Do you actually expect God to not just break through for you, but to do exceeding abundantly above and beyond all you can ask or think? Because to kill four brothers is exceedingly beyond what he could ask or think. Are you expecting, put it up please, the test of expectation. We got to learn to expect. I know that is faith. But you got to learn. Notice he prepared. He didn't just walk around making a confession. I believe that I'm going to do it. I believe I'm going to do it. Why? Because he knew that God was going to use his skill and his stone and his sling. He wasn't just going to do it all supernaturally. He was going to do it through some natural means. But he expected. Jenny, he expected bigger than even what God had promised him. He expected more than Goliath. He ex- I'm expecting more than 37,000. I'm expecting the other four ugly brothers. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm expecting excess. I'm expecting above. I'm expecting beyond. This is a test, guys. This is a test. There's a test that, we're, are you just gonna crumple? Let's just get by. Let's just survive. Let's just keep our head above the water. No, expect to soar above the water and go on top of the water. This is a great test that people overlook. Praise God. Just give me a signal when you've got it. Now, let's pass. Let's go to the next one, please. It's the test of intimidation. The test of intimidation. And boy, this is a big one. And the Philistine came on and drew near to David. And the man that bare his shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, am I a dog that you should come to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. That's called intimidation. There's a difference between discouragement and intimidation. Do you understand? Discouragement is when somebody that loves you is trying to talk you out of it. Intimidation is when somebody that hates you says, I'm going to destroy you. There's a big difference. My dad loves me, but he was trying to talk me out of the plan. Saul loved David. He's trying to talk him out of the plan. But intimidation is the enemy tries to speak against you words of fear. I'm going to kill you. You are going to utterly fail. For some of you, you're going to lose that house. That's the enemy's voice trying to intimidate you to failure. And that is a test that every person has to pass. And verse 44, and the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. (laughs) Intimidation. Intimidation. (laughs) Notice when Goliath is saying there's no reference of David uh, having a heart palpitation. There's no record of him backing up. 
There's no record of him getting in the flesh. There's no record of him getting angry. Just because people, just because the enemy intimidates you, stand your ground, look, look at him square in the eye. He's tried all this year to intimidate us on so many things. I just stand there looking at him, right? <laughs> oh God, David. David Hogan is one of the most masterful people about intimidation I've ever seen. And him is, his is extreme happy. Ours is just, we might not be able to pay a bill. His is, he's dead. And he told me a while ago, he said, when that recently, when that military, that uh, in Mexico, that uh, not, it's not the government's army, it's the rebel army, the, the, actually the cartel army. In that case, it was the, not the paramilitaries, it was the cartels. And they caught him and they had the gun to his, to, they had just shot a missionary in the head and killed him. And they held the gun to his head and they held the gun to Miss, Miss Hogan's head. Because Miss Hogan was driving, they saw the roadblock, he said, switch with me. So she got into the passenger seat and he's in the driver's seat. And the one guy came around and put a pistol to her forehead and the other guy put a pistol to his forehead. And they said, they're saying in Spanish, uh, your time has come. And David said he turned and he looked at him square in the eye. And now the guy has got the thing right here. And he said, he said, the Lord said, don't answer him. Don't say anything. Just stare at him. And he said, I just stared. And David, have you ever seen David scare? It'll freak you out. Yeah. Just says stare. But he's, and he's shaking. He's, he's so angry, but he's cut the power of God on him. See, there's, there's natural responses, but then there's anointing responses. Sometimes they mix. And he's just shaking and he's staring. And that commander, <laughs> I don't know what I, why? He pulled the gun away. He said, I don't know who you are, but get out of here. And they left. After they just killed the other missionary. You've got to know how to hear God. Yeah. Sometimes he'll say speak. Sometimes he'll say be quiet. Sometimes he'll say run. There's times where David, God said run. Sometimes he'll say do this, an action. But when the intimidation comes, that's extreme. Most of us aren't facing that kind of intimidation. But it's still in the same family. Still him square in the eye. Don't cower down. You've got to respond to intimidation, right? Because the devil will try to intimidate you. Okay, I want to be the best that I can be. That's an avocado. And he's got a, a pip. That's a big old belly. And he pops that belly out, brother, brother Taylor, and he plays hacky sack with it, and then he puts his foot on it. Play one more time, because I see revelation is flowing like a river in this church. Now, some of you are actually in the same boat as me. Play it one more time. You need to pop that fat belly out, put your foot on it, and have an indentation where the fat used to be. Joey, I know you think I'm crazy, but while he, at quesadilla, while he's making my burrito, I heard the Holy Ghost say, that's you in 2023. He's so funny, Jenny. Because I, I'm going to pop that pip out, play hacky sack with it, and then put my foot on it. Do you understand? Now, they're doing that because of the World Cup. But God has a whole different sense of humor. I don't want to try to be as handsome as Tyrone. I don't want to, I want to pass the test of imitation. I'm not trying to imitate Greg. Tyrone, maybe. But I just want to be the best that I can be. And the best that I can be is without the avocado pip. You know, God can talk to you in any number of ways. You think I'm expecting his voice while I'm waiting for the avocado looking at his screen? I heard him talk to me as loud as I'm talking to you. 
That's you in 2023. But the way he said it was like he was jovial. That's you. Like, like a, that's you in 2023. You're going to pop that baby out and get the victory on it. That's, I get to get victory on it. Not me playing soccer, getting victory on it. Okay, moving right along. <laughs> Number 10, we have to pass the test of answering. Now, what did he say when the, when the intimidation came? Notice when discouragement came, what did he do? Answered it by recalling. Yeah. But when the intimidation came, what did he do? Answer it. Answer it. Answer it. And David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and with a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. That's the angel's army. Remember, host means, man, he's aware the angels are with him. Yeah. Host means angels. And the God of the armies, armies of Israel, armies, do you see that plural? Israel has an army. He said armies. Why? Because there's another army you can't see in the sky. I've got angels with me. I've got a name with me. Oh my God. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, of the God of the armies, angels and humans of Israel whom thou hast defied. This day the Lord will deliver thee into my hand and I will smite thee and take thy head from thee. I love it. And I will give the carcass of, he up the ante. I'm not just going to kill you ugly. I'm going to kill the whole army. Now that's the spirit of faith. The spirit of faith, remember Samson took on the whole army. David, people don't realize this, but Samson lived very, Saul would have known Samson. If you study the timeline, Saul and Samson, they would have known each other. That means David, I don't know if David knew exactly, I don't think he was alive, I think Samson had just died when David was growing up, but he would have been reared on the stories of Samson. If he didn't meet him, it was like just the generation right before him, because Saul and Samson knew each other. So Samson, the, the, the greatness of killing a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey, knocking the walls down and having 3,000 die. David was reared on stories of great strength. So David knows that spirit of faith can come on you to take a whole army because he saw it with Samson. And he says, I'm going to take you and that whole army. I love it, Jenny. And give you this day to the fowls of the air and to the beasts, wild beasts of the earth and all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and all this assembly shall know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, not with strength of men. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. There is an answering, my brother and sister, that you have to do. When discouragement comes, answer it by recalling God's faithfulness. When intimidation comes, answer it by telling them what the spirit of faith says. I'm going to destroy you. That financial pressure, I'm going to destroy you. Praise God. I go through this too. Things that I face, I have to answer it. I have to answer it. I answer it. I answer it. I answer it. If you're, you can't be a mime, you can't be a spiritual mime and a successful Christian. You've got to be talking to yourself if nobody else. You gotta be talking, talking, answer, answer, answer. Because notice that discouragement and intimidation try to stop you. Mm-mm-mm. Pass the test number 11 of action. And David, where are we now? 49. You gotta do something. What does James chapter two, verse 20 say? Show me your faith and I'll show you my works. For faith without works corresponding action is useless, doesn't avail anything, and is dead. Don't tell me, Greg, that you got faith if you don't do anything about it. If you've got faith, you're going to speak, but you're going to act. Do you understand? Dad Hagen said, I'm healed, and then he swung his legs out over the bed. You have the Holy Ghost guiding you into the action, but you still have to act. 
you understand? Don't say I'm going to be prospered and then don't, and don't, don't work the skill that God's given you so that God has a method by which to prosper you. Don't sit eating Cheetos and just say, well, I'm believing for somebody to come knock on the door. That's not action. You got your confession, but you got to act. Some people, God puts a dream in their heart, a business in their heart, but they're too afraid to step out in faith and do an action. That's why we're starting a business council in the new year to help people to take it from the planning stage to the profitability stage, because you've got to act for God to have something to work with. So I want you to notice that he had to act. And it says here, therefore, David ran and stood. No, no, where am I? 49. So David put his hand in his bag. Notice he act. He ran Verse 48, and it came to pass when the Philistine arose and drew, came near and drew to meet David, David hasted and ran toward the enemy Amen. to meet the Philistine. That means he was running. He was acting. He was not just talking. He was, he was showing action. I'm not afraid of you. I'm running to meet you. Mm-hmm. My God. And David put his hand in his bag and took, well, let's just read the next, the next, the last test. That's the test of action. In other words, do something to show God that you're working with him and that you know that he's going to help you. Corresponding action. I believe for a plane, so I bought the hanger. Do you understand? Do something. Do something. That pastor in Africa believing for a car and believing for sound system. So he took a stick. And added a rope to it and preached into a stick for a year. People thought he was crazy. On the dirt outside, they took paint and they made lines. Nobody in that village had a car, never had a car in the history of that village. But he painted lines. He did corresponding action. I'm believing for a car, so I'll make a parking lot. I'm believing for a sound system, so I'll speak into a piece of wood with a rope. You think that's crazy? God thinks that's awesome. Within a year, a man in a big sedan, a big black sedan, drove in from Kampala, opened the trunk and said, God, appeared, God showed me a village and you as the pastor, do you need a sound system? Yes, I've been believing for a year. Here's a brand new sound system. He got rid of the wood and the rope and he started preaching into a microphone. And that year he got his first car and then his staff got cars. And now everybody in that church, now the parking lot's too small. Now there's cars all over that village because they put corresponding action. You can't just say God's going to beat you and I'll take the whole army and then not run. You got to say it and then you got to run. Are you taking the principles here? The last one is the test. This is so important and so many people fail in it. Passing the test of the natural working with the supernatural. A lot of people want God to do everything. They want everything supernatural. Well, I'm just believing God. Well, I'm just believing God. But God works supernatural with your effort, with your wisdom, with your skill, with your giftings, with your words, with your action, with your hands, with your brain. God works supernaturally, but he works with the natural. Do an action, but understand it's not just you. If David thought it was just him, he would have failed. If David thought it was only God, he would have failed. Do you understand that God has a side and you have a side? Know what God's part is. Know what your part is. Let him do his and you do yours. What was David's part? It was putting his hand in the bag, getting a stone, slinging the stone, and not being all distracted. And oh, look at the army. They're all looking at me and cheering and then shooting it in the wrong direction. He had to see natural. He had to, he had to first of all know what he's doing. He could, that couldn't be the first time he used a sling. He had to have skill. He had to look at the guy. He had to do it. He had to, he had to focus. God was using and harnessing his natural ability. Everything until the stone left that sling pocket was his side. Now, Joey, once he's done his side, there's nothing more he can do. Now the angel has to take that stone and make it a bullet. 
and increase its velocity because a stone, a smooth stone, notice it wasn't a sharp stone that could easily penetrate skin. It was a smooth stone to make it even harder, to make it more miraculous. For it to sink, the Hebrew word says, it sunk into his skull cavity. It didn't bounce off. It hit the head and it sunk into the skull cavity is what the Hebrew says, which means just you can't, how strong you are, there's no slingshot in the world that can make it enter your skull cavity and stay there. Only a bullet velocity can enter the skull cavity. So he did his part and the angel God did his part and took the natural and made it supernatural. You do your part and go to the interview and let God come upon the interviewer. You do your part and go to the bank for the loan to start the business and let God touch their heart to give you favor. Are you with me? Hallelujah. You do your part when you got a stiff back and start to move and let God's power make it limber. You do your part and sow that seed and let God bring you the harvest. Do you see? There is your part. Don't always say God, 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 God. It's religious spirit. I hate religious spirits. Religious spirits put everything on God because the devil knows. Just do that and nothing will ever work for you. No, religious spirits, we're not religious here. Not everything is God. What did, what did Moses say? Oh, God deliver us. What did God say? You stretch out your hand. He did his part. God's wind caused that thing to be separated. Everywhere through the Bible, he did his part. They did their part. Women did their part. Men did their part. And God came up and did his part. We've got we've to learn that test. It's a test. It's not, some people, they only think it's me. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. It's me. You're going to fail because you can't do it without God. Not the fullness. You can get rich. You can get certain, you can, you can get certain good things, but you can't fulfill the plan without God. So to do it on your own alone is not passing that test. But then the other ditch on the other side is you're lazy and you don't do anything. And it's just God, 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 God. That's going to fail the test. You got to be in the middle of the road. I have a part. He's going to use me. But I also, God is a part. He's going to anoint what I do. He's going to give me favor that I can. Angels are going to do things that I can. I'm going to do my part. I, I like what Deanne's doing. She's preparing for Dominica, but she is working. She is doing her part. There's a lot of natural effort involved. But as she releases that stone, God shows up, gives favor, opens a door here, causes that to happen there, causes this person to take notice. That's God's part. But she has a lot of work to do. Do you understand? Yeah. To, to run this church, we don't just sit around singing Kumbaya and praying. There's a lot of work the staff do all the time. Just to comply with the CRA is enough to drive you up the wall. We have, thank God, Wayne and others to help us. There's a lot of work. There's a lot of work to get FMI Gold's charity. But we got it. You see, we did our part. And God touched and arranged and favored us that we got the answer. God has a part. But I have a part too. So learn to pass that test. Let's look at them. You've got to pass the test of rejection. You've got to pass the test of patience and menial work. You've got to pass that test of love and loyalty. That's a huge one. You've got to obey when God tells you to obey, even if it looks like you're going backwards. When people falsely accuse you, you've got to pass that. Keep your heart right. When, when loved ones discourage you, <laughs> recall what God has done and move forward. When the, when, when they're, uh, um, don't imitate. Be yourself. Be the best you 
but don't try to be somebody else. Pass the test of imitation. Expect God to do what he's told you and more. When the devil intimidates you, answer him back. Praise God. Don't, don't fear when he's intimidating you. Pass the test of answering. Speak. Pass the test of action, corresponding action. It's not just confessions, my brother and sister. It's divine action. And understand, really, 10 and 11, uh, really, uh, 11 and 12 go together. But understand, because you're doing action, God has to work with your ability. But he has an ability that you don't have. Hallelujah. I'm so grateful for God's ability. But I'm grateful that he gave me some ability too. I'm not going to be lazy. I'm going to put, I'm going to put the giftings that he's given me, that maybe not many of them compared to other people, but whatever he's given me, I'm going to, I'm going to use them because he gave them to me. He expects me to be a good steward of what he gave me. And then where I fall short, he's going to show up and he's going to do, he's going to carry me the rest of the way. He's going to do the rest for me. Praise God. Hallelujah. David is a great example to us in the Bible. Hallelujah. Now, can I say this? Before we close, I know you all think I'm nuts to show you that avocado, dancing avocado. But I I, want to say something to you. God knows where I need to change. And God can use whatever form that he wants to do to speak to me. He can give me a dream. He can appear to me. He can give me a scripture. He can give me a prophetic word. Or he can speak to me through a dancing avocado in a Mexican shop. And I like it when he does weird things because he's so variety, he's so full of variety. But don't mock that too quickly because when I heard God's voice, it's, it was funny and his tone was humorous, but it was holy because anything he does is holy. What he was doing past the laughter is he's trying to say to me, I believe in you. I know you've struggled, but next year you're going to get victory. Next year you're going to put your foot on it. I'm so proud of you. I believe in you. Next year is your year. Listen to me. Pass the jokes. That was a holy encouragement. Are you with me? He's going to talk to you about areas he wants you to change. But he'll do it in an encouraging, loving way. Not a demeaning, cruel, religious, put you down in the dirt. He's not like that. He will speak to you about areas you need to change. Every single one of you, you you look like angels, but some of you, you got angels and devils all working together. I I don't mean that the way it sounds, but let me rephrase, take the word devil out. All of you have some rough edges. All of you have areas that you need to improve the way you think, the way you look, the way you respond, everything. God will, if you listen to him, he might not do it in the Mexican shop. He might do it in some other way for you. But he will show you where you need to change. And when he tells you, he'll tell you with encouragement and love. And it will lift you up, not push you down. When I left that store, I, I don't really like burritos. I was just trying it because they're new and they need support or they'll close. <laughs> and Aaron, if you don't support them, they go under. And I mean real quick. So everybody has to support everybody or there are no stores, okay? So I don't even like burritos, but I was there just to support them. I probably won't go back for a while because I don't like burritos. But I mean, I enjoyed that burrito more than any other burrito I've ever eaten in my entire life. And it wasn't because of the burrito. It's because I kept looking at my phone and looking at him dancing or kicking or whatever he was doing. But it was more than that. It was God spoke to me. He loves me. 
He wants to encourage me. He sees where I'm short and failing and I'm not, and he's not pushing me down. He's saying, I believe in you. This is your year, son, to get victory. I'm going to help you. You do your part. You can't eat nine coconut pies. You do your part and I'll do my part. Hallelujah. Praise God. Kathy, I heard of a lady that was very overweight. This is a true story. Kenneth Copeland told it. She was overweight and she, she was in a, in a line with, uh, I think it was Wigglesworth or I don't know who his name was, Dad Hagen. I can't remember. But uh, she was really, really overweight, obese. I think it was Dad Hagen. And he laid hands on her and she instantaneously lost 120 pounds within a microsecond. She was wearing a dress and the whole dress went, <laughs> oh God, where was I in that meeting? Oh God, she didn't have to join Weight Watchers, Jenny Craig, anything. It was the, literally 120 pounds dematerialized within one second. And everybody was shocked apparently and they were touching her. I mean, she was big. So I said, Jesus, I said, Jesus, I said, Lord, I hold up your word to me. Just I'm waiting. I'll put the burrito down and I'm waiting. Let it come now. Let it come now. I'm waiting. I waited a long time. Nothing happened because in this case, I got to put some effort in, but he'll help me. And help is not always instantaneous. Do it for you. The help is do your part. God will do his. Now, you never know. I could come next week and I could be a hundred pounds lighter. And then we'll know that God did a miracle. But if I'm not, just give me some time. I'm the, just call me Pastor Avocado. Okay. Pastor Avi. That's what I want you just to help keep it before me. Hi, Pastor Avi. How you doing? I'm doing great. My brother and sister, I'm doing great. A year from now, we will reassess. Father, bless them. Lord, thank you for their laughing at my ridiculousness. Thank you for their humor. Thank you for their generosity in the offering today. Lord, thank you for what they've done for my wife and I personally all year. Thank you for their faithfulness. Despite all, the, uh, all what's against us in society and COVID and this and that, Lord, this is a faithful congregation, a generous congregation. Thank you that we're passing the test that David passed and we're going to see victory. All of us, God will talk to us in ways where we need to change individually and he'll do it in a way that encourages us and lifts us up. Lord Jesus, I thank you that nobody makes a resolution without the encouragement of God attached to it. Let them make New Year resolutions based on what the Holy Ghost tells them, not what their mind tells them. And Lord, whatever they decide, whatever you author for them to change, thank you for the strength and anointing to help them change, to lift them up, to help them change. For we all need to change. Lord, we'll do our part and you'll do yours. In Jesus' precious name, and everybody said a wonderful amen. Happy, happy new year to all of you. Enjoy your evening. Stay safe, and we'll see you tomorrow night at 7 o'clock.